is traditionally read by the Eastern Orthodox Church in Europe uh, as part of Shrovetide, which is the leading period into Lent. Now, we just celebrated Shrove Tuesday just this week, right? So it's part of that um, rhythm for them. The tax collector, he prays this simple, humble, and earnest prayer of a broken man. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So this is the traditional posture of Christians in the Christian church leading into Lent. Lord, have mercy. Now, if in, in Europe, uh, the, the, on YouTube, there's this uh, documentary called Mount Athos, and it's about these monasteries in this little part of northern Greece. It's a heavily, densely populated monastery area, if it's a word. And you watch these guys as they go about their work, and they're doing their fishing or they're welding or, or, or whatever they're doing through the day and they're constantly muttering away to themselves and you see their lips moving along. This is what they're saying. Kyrieleison, Kyrieleison, God have mercy, Lord have mercy. And they say it's like breathing, like these guys over and over and over. Collectively, as a people, these monasteries have been praying this prayer for over a millennium. So when Paul in 1 Thessalonians talks about praying continuously, these guys are nailing it, man. So uh, how's your prayer life going? <laughs> oh, that's unfair. Hermits in a monastery compared to us living in the speed of now. Keith Urban, New Zealand-born, let's face it, he's Australian, but that's cool. Um, in 2019, he bought out, that's how we claim him, he's New Zealand-born, even though we don't listen to country music. Um, but in late 2019, he bought out a new uh, album called The Speed of Now, and I listened to him on the Breeze radio station, he was being interviewed, and they asked him about the title, and he said, it's a comment on how fast I felt life was starting to go. Everywhere I went, it really felt like we were living at such a pace, it truly felt like it was unsustainable. What is the end game for the way we live right now? Something has got to come along to try and change this in some way, some awakening, reckoning moment. Now, that's an interesting comment to make at the end of 2019. Um, but what's the end game for the way we live right now? John Mark Comer is an American uh, pastor and author, and he put it like this in his uh, also 2019 book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. We hear the refrain, oh, I'm great, just busy. So often we assume pathological busyness is okay. After all, everyone else is busy too, right? But what if busyness isn't healthy? What if it's an airborne contagion wreaking havoc on our collective soul? And hurry is a form of violence on the soul. You might resonate with this. Uh, maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm really not that busy. But I think overall as a culture in the here and now, it was true in 2019, even more so now, we're hurried. I think it's more than that, though. It's not just the pace, it's the angst behind it. We're harried. And we're not just harried, we're ungrounded. We're skimming across the surface of life so quickly we don't actually put roots and any grounding down. We're flipped and flopped around by everything going on. Let me ask you again, but seriously this time, how is your prayer life going? This is our family swan plant. 
I think Vicky was giving these out in January. Was that, is that right? No, she's not here. Uh, and Grace grabbed it and was like, hey, let's plant a swan plant. We put it in the garden. We get monarch butterflies and stuff. So we took it home. And maybe it's a comment on the pace of our life in the last couple of months, but it stayed on the kitchen window. So where we've watered it, and look at it. It's green. It's tall. But it can't stand up by itself. It hasn't been planted in deep soil. It's glossy above the surface, but it's not been planted into the deep ground. This, this is the gritty, the earthy work actually within the ground, within the soil. It's not seeing what's going on under there, but it's the roots that actually hold us fast. It means that we can stand in a storm. And so this work of tilling the soil of our souls, it's deep, it's gritty, it takes persistent work, pulling the weeds, preparing. None of this is glamorous. It's not shiny self-help stuff. It's under the surface. It's real. God does this work in us. God is the gardener. Our hearts are the garden. Jesus said, abide in me. So how, how do we become grounded in the soil of God's goodness? Well, Lent, which we haven't commonly um, celebrated here, but we're celebrating Lent. Last week, Jeremy talked about fasting uh, as a giving something away so to create space for something else. By giving away food, traditionally, that space where you were having breakfast, you can spend time to pray. The hunger pains through the day remind you to pray. You're giving away maybe social media. Well, there's space created now in your day where you can press into God further in prayer, putting down roots. Giving up, creating less, creates a space to press in. It creates time for new habits, habits that help us grow deeper. See, this is an invitation to grow deeper. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let's just start with the question before we move on. What is prayer? Talking to God? Sure, it was. Rich prayed earlier, prayed for our service. It was, it was quick, but he prayed about stuff. Like, prayer is, at its simplest, talking to God, asking God. But it's more than that. It's actually a sustaining force for us. Prayer is actually breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is basic and vital. It's our vital connection. It's breathing. There's no better metaphor of what prayer should be for a Christian. Prayer is also innate. Where were you on the afternoon of November 19th, 2010? Anyone? Possibly, like the rest of New Zealand, you were praying. Because news had come out of an explosion in a coal mine on the west coast. 31 miners inside. We were praying that they would be rescued. That they'd be okay. Only two were. One of them halfway down the mine shaft, got blown off his feet by the explosion, knocked out, and when he came to, surrounded by carbon monoxide, struggling to breathe, he cries out, please, someone help me, God, anyone. Praise. In 2020, uh, sorry, in 2001, uh, there was a music festival in London, and the Foo Fighters were playing, but their drummer overdosed and ended up in a London hospital for two weeks. Frontman Dave Grohl admits... I would talk out loud to God as I was walking to and from the hospital. I'm not a religious person, but I was out of my mind. I was so frightened and heartbroken and confused. Lord, have mercy. C.S. Lewis, talking to a friend, put it like this. I pray because I can't help myself. 
I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. Life is precarious. The Latin word precarious is the same word our word prayer comes from. Precarious. Life is fragile. It's uncertain. And something hardwired within us longs us to something or someone beyond who's stronger than us that will hold us through it, who will provide. Prayer is also communion, connection, relationship. Prayer is meant to be a deeply personal interaction between God's heart and mine. It's an intimate conversation between heaven and earth where I am transformed. That's one of the best descriptions of prayer I've heard in a while. The key, uh, sorry, if prayer is all of that, and it's innate, and it's natural, and it's this connect, it's breathing, why do we find it so hard so often? Why is it seemingly so foreign for us? Jesus prayed, our Father in heaven, like this connection with our Father, and that rings true, but it's hard in the speed of now, right? I wonder how much our modern prayer lives are shaped by our modern culture, our sheer pace that we live at and the rushing around and the going. And I know we're not all necessarily hurried, and the hurry doesn't necessarily, there's times for hurry, but the rhythm that we're in is so discombobulated. I wonder how much that affects our prayer life, actually finding time to stop and breathe and be grounded. Sadly, I think our, Christ our culture is littered with stories of people wounded and hurt by unhealthy Christians whose actions and words don't match their prayers. How do we reset? I want to give three suggestions. Well, not really three suggestions. They're kind of one suggestion, but these are things that are probably a little bit foreign to us, but actually not foreign to the history of the church. I mean, like the 2,000-year history of the church. These have been part of the rhythms of Christians through time that have grounded them in prayer. And if we've forgotten them or if they're foreign to us, it's recent that that's happened. Firstly, solitude. All of humanity's problems stem from man's ability to sit quietly in a room alone. That's an insightful comment. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus was the Son of God, remember? He was God incarnate, God in flesh, God with us. And yet, personally for him, it was vital to get away regularly. You read through the Gospels, he was doing it all the time, regularly to find space to pray, to be alone with his Father, sometimes through the night. Now, we're all about the teachings of Jesus here, right? Like we, we, we teach them, we memorize them, we... we we, we preach them to others, we, we build theologies around them, and that's great, that's fantastic, that grounds us. But how serious are we about the rhythms of Jesus, the way he actually lived his life, going and finding time alone to pray? Solitude becomes a place where we can be grounded in prayer, away from distractions, other people, notifications, schedules, the, the facades of our own self that we put up to prove ourselves, just us and God, our attention on God alone. Now, we struggle for time for this a lot with the busyness of culture, but again, fasting is a, is a giving up of something to create space where we might try this. 
if we could just sit for one half hour a day doing nothing except taking a simple word from the gospel and putting it in front of us and let that truth descend from our mind into our heart, gradually these words are written on the walls of our inner holy place. The key word here, I think, is gradually. This takes practice. This takes hard work. The first time we try this, we feel like we're doing it wrong. We're like, I can't focus. There's all these voices in my head that keep spinning around, and that's natural. Takes time, takes practice, but it's the turning up. God is the gardener. God does the work. It's about us regularly turning up. He says half an hour, man, 10 minutes, just starting in solitude with us and God alone. Silence, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. An old, um, old contemplative Christian, John St. John of the Cross, very old if you'll see his age there, silence is God's first language. Now, that sounds a bit weird to us, right? Silence is prayer's talking, isn't it? Well, a man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until in the end he realized prayer was listening. Hearing that still voice inside us, reminding us of these scriptures that we've heard from a child. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. I delight in you. I will cover you with my feathers, shelter you with my wings. And it takes time and practice to actually sift out all the external noise and then the internal voices to actually hear that still inner voice. C.S. Lewis again brilliantly puts it like this. The real problem of the Christian life comes where most people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flying in, and so on, all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings and coming in out of the wind. Lord, have mercy. Mercy, by the way, we usually translate it as not getting what we deserve. You know, a, a judge is merciful by not punishing us or whatever, and that, that's true, but also when you think about the book of lamentation and it's like this gloomy lament and right in the middle there's this ray of sunshine with the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end every sunrise is God's mercy his rain is his mercy watering our garden <laughs> mercies are these beautiful things that come in the midst of everything going on Lord have mercy um Practicing silence and solitude, um, sorry, stillness. Silence and solitude flow into stillness by practicing these things simply and regularly. It quietens and stills us to a point that we can be more still. Be still and know that I am God. With the slowing down of our, our speed of now, we can then re-engage our world. See, none of this is a... I'm not saying we need to go be monks and sort of withdraw, and, but I mean engaging, re-engaging in our world from a place of rest means that we become more grounded people. 
we come as people not needing to prove ourselves to all those around us and like, hey, look at me, I'm doing stuff because we've sat in the space where we're not doing stuff and where we let that still inner voice come in and say, you are my beloved. And if God names us, we don't need other people to name us. So we can start to engage in the people around us, whatever's going on in their life, more peacefully, gradually, over time, being grounded people, grounded in deep soil. It was Jeremy last week who said, before God can do a full work through us, he must do a full work in us. This involves courage. This involves real stamina, actually getting into the deep weeds within us, the stuff, these voices that have defined us for so long, sifting these and pulling these out of the way and actually pressing in. It takes courage. I do want to add one note here. I really need to do this. For most of us, this is like solitude. Are you serious? What's this going on? Like, what are you calling? Like this. Blah, blah, blah. Where am I going to find time for this? Whatever. And then when I do it, it's like Henry Henry Nguyen, who I quoted before. He has another quote where he says that we we find stillness and silence, and then we find all these inner voices that are like, oh, I forgot to turn the jug up, or I got to call my friend, or whatever. And he said it's like within your head, there's a banana tree with monkeys jumping up and down in it, and that happens. Believe me. My head is a very noisy place. It keeps whirring and spinning, and it's hard to quieten those voices. Rich said, I'm doing, like, man, you want to see my prayer life? Like, seriously, it's not flash. It's not glossy. Under the surface, it's gritty. It's messy. But it's the practice of doing it. One of the most famous con- contemplatives was Brother Lawrence. You may have heard of him. And this beautiful book that, he, that was written about his, his writings, he died not even famous. No one had heard of him. But someone collected his letters and they were published. And this is a Christian classic, Practice the Presence of God. But for the first 10 years of his pressing into that, he was a turbulent mess. He was like, I just couldn't get it right. And I felt like God was going to send me to hell and all this stuff. And then it was at the very end of himself, 10 years in, when he came to the end of himself and found that God was just there waiting for him, just to love him as he was. Remarkable. There... (laughs) If, if you find that there's a lot going on, it may be that that's an indication of how much we need this. But there are some possibly here, some possibly watching online, who you have real big stuff going on, deep stuff, hurts, wounds, loss, grief, major stuff. Can I please just caution you? If You'll know if that's you. Pressing into solitude may be a particularly scary place to be to face all that's going on, and it may be that you need to tread very lightly in this. Do it with someone else, maybe with someone that's trained, a Christian counsellor or someone, to help you walk through that. This is not for the faint-hearted, and it may not be your season. Don't take any of this as, we must do this. It's a journey, and God knows. God's there. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, bring your request before God. And the peace of God, as Cova said, that transcends all understanding. Yes, that's Philippians 4, 6 to 7. We forget verse 5. Verse 5 simply says, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious. The Lord is near, closer than you would dream. He understands, he gets it. He knows what's going on right where you are. Don't be anxious because he's so close. How do we practically um, do an hour? Here's Brother Lawrence. That's worth reading. Whatever we do, even if we're reading the word or praying, we should stop for a few minutes as often as possible 
to praise God from the depth of our hearts. To enjoy in there in secret. Since you believe God is always with you, no matter what you may be doing, why shouldn't you just stop for a while, even a moment, to adore him, to praise him, to petition him, to offer him your heart and to thank him. These momentary receipts, retreats serve to free us from our selfishness, from our us-ness to our otherness, to God and to those around us. Let's make this practical. How do we do this? Mornings. Try just getting up 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> no, I mean, I know that I'm making this more now, but by getting up 10 minutes earlier or in this, this season of fasting, by taking something away and allowing before you start anything in the day, just taking time not to read a full passage, not just to sit in God's presence. I've made a rhythm in the last couple of years of just getting up earlier, uh, making a coffee, lighting a candle and just sitting in dark and in silence and just being in God's presence. It's not necessarily still, my mind's still wearing, but as time comes down and you remember these verses, these words of God speaking through his word to us, it's calming and you can then engage the day from that. Simple suggestion, if you use your phone for an alarm clock, don't, because the first thing you touch when you wake is your phone. Put it somewhere else, charge it in a different room. So that the, it's, these things are engineered to distract us. I'm not saying they're evil, but that they're engineered to distract us. They're, they're not helpful necessarily. So just put it somewhere else, put it on charge. John Mark Como, who I mentioned, he puts his phone ritually to bed every night, puts it away in the drawer, there you go, night night, and then spends time where he can be without that. It's kind of funny, I like it. Starting our days in a place of solitude and silence, allowing ourselves to be stilled, we can then move into the world. Throughout the, sorry, throughout the day, um, you can then return to that. One prayer method may be simply reading a line from a psalm and then taking one word from that. God, uh, God, cover me with your feathers. Lord, feathers. That, that Jesus prayer that these monks pray, Lord, have mercy. Think of an attribute of God. God, love. And then recall that during the day as we re-engage with the world. It's going to be busy. It's a busy world. We can't escape that. But when it starts to get too much and we start to hyperventilate, it's like, Lord, mercy. Just simple ways of bringing it back and then re-engaging again, starting again. Old school digital watches are brilliant because every hour they go beep, beep, reminder to stop and breathe. In just 10 seconds. It's ways to push back against the noise, just to reclaim a little bit of ground where our roots can grow deeper. Uh, in the evenings, just creating time again, put the phone to bed, and then just create time where we can just sit and reflect on the day. There's an ancient um, practice called examine, which is a, a simple four-step, taking time and just reflecting on the day, asking God's illumination to look through the day, our day with his eyes, to see where he was present, to see where we fell short and could have done better and pray that with God's grace we'll do better tomorrow. We don't reflect because we're going so fast, but reflection is where we learn, it's where we teach, it's where we understand ourselves better. These are simple rhythms. Other ones are praying, praying through the Psalms. There's 150 of them. That's five months worth of material there. Um, just simple praying the words of Jesus, finding simple lines of Jesus centering ourselves on those things. I know these are all kind of foreign, 
but they haven't been foreign for the history of the church. And maybe now with everything going on, I mean, look, look at the TV, the world's on fire. The world desperately needs grounded people speaking peace and God's beauty into that. We need to be grounded in what is true. Keith Urban asked, what is the end of all this? Our end is, Revelation shows us that in the end, heaven comes down to earth. God is with his people again. There will be no more tears, no more crying. The old order of things has passed away. This river with trees growing either side, the leaves are used for healing for the nation. Salvation, being saved. Salve, being healed. That's what our world needs right now. It needs good people within it, speaking peace into it couple of suggestions, real practical suggestions, especially if you're at home. Um, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I, I mentioned this book. It's a really, a real now book. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to sound like a John Mark Comer fanboy here, but I just think what he's written here is just really relevant for now, just with everything going on. He covers some of the noise that we're going through. He also covers, covers some of these rhythms that I've talked about in really practical ways. Uh, he, I just this last week. Church has a subscription, I believe, to Right Now Media, and Aaron's nodding, this is good, and I think you, everyone can actually have free access to that by signing up. You may have it. If you don't, talk to Aaron. He's putting his thumbs up. Awesome. Or Julie or someone. Um, just this last week, Right Now Media have brought out uh, a five-video series on the ruthless elimination of hurry. Uh, if you're not a reader, watch a uh, five, five videos on that. He also does a podcast series going through some of the teachings from his church from a couple of years ago on that. So again, this is just relevant stuff. He just puts it really, really well. Um, a couple of other things. Look, this book is a Christian classic. Of, of a guy, a simple, humble guy, he was a soldier, came in, out of the wind and found peace and presence in God. Brilliant. Like, it's brilliant. Um, another one uh, is Lecto365. This is actually a phone app. I've said to put the phone away. Use it for something good as well. It's an app that each day you can use it. It has morning prayers, evening prayers. Put in your headphones, go for a walk, and just listen to a simple Lectio Divina uh, practice, which... Um, Actually, at about, what's the time? Yeah, we're on time. Uh, about 11 o'clock, we're going to go into the Kofi Lounge, and we're going to actually do a Lectio Divina. It's optional. You don't have to come, but come along and join us. Um, that doesn't work if you're online, obviously, but find, find this app, download it, and just listen to one of these guided meditations on a scripture from God. It's brilliant. Uh, another podcast series from a guy, New Zealand guy, if you don't want to listen to American accents all the time, um, Commoners Communion. It's, it's a guy by the name of Strong Coleman who, um, he writes some prayer books, just simple, simple prayers. Uh, you can just read through and just be focused on the prayers that he's written. And he also does podcasts online, so find those if you're a podcast person. Listen to them to and from work, whatever. Um, there are ways to still the noise. There are spiritual disciplines, Christian habits that we can rebuild that help us grow deep roots. And I just think about this, reflect on it, and create a simpler still alive in God, in his word, in what he says about us. I'll finish with one of Strawn's little prayers for us. You're praying before I am God. I'm simply joining the conversation. And as a blessing to you, may you learn to rest in prayer, to jump into the conversation that began before you awoke, before you were born, 
and will continue beyond your final breath. May you know God's rich blessing as you press and grow deeper into him.